Straight out of the heart of Texas, here come the students of conflict, helping you become a better Malifaux player and reach the top of the podium, one game at a time. Hello! Hello! And we are trying to become better Malifaux players, leveling up ourselves and hopefully leveling others up as well. We do that by interviewing top third players from the Lone Star Conference, playing in Malifaux tournaments across the U.S. We're not trying to capture their entire tournament journeys here. We want to take an in-depth look at a single game from each of our guests. What were key decisions that they made before the game, during the game, and now, looking back at the game, what were the things that they learned and could pass on to others? Our basic format is we interview the guests all at once, just as soon as possible after the tournament. Then rather than publishing one long marathon podcast, we break it up, releasing one individual podcast per guest, helping people level up one game at a time. So, today we are talking about the tournament from January 14th in Houston, Texas. With me today is Jonathan, who came in third place. Hello. And Brian, who came in second place. Hey, guys. If you want to hear about their specific games, go back and listen to episodes 2A and 2B. And while you're doing that, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on anything in the future. And in first place, I am talking with the person who, uh, as far as I'm aware, got the first tournament podium with Harold Tull. I don't know if anyone else in the world has done this. It's We're talking nice with Trey Woodfin. <laughs> Thank you for joining Thank us you. today. Thank you for having me. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing well. So, yeah. So, uh, going to start out, you know, getting warmed up here. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your play experience with Malifaux, what factions you generally play, and um, why uh, you chose, you know, this faction for this uh, particular tournament, if it's outside of the normal. I started playing, I think, early to mid-second edition, and I played a lot of 10 Thunders, specifically Misaki, then a lot. But then I switched to Guild for most of my time through the back half of second edition into third. I played Sonya, played uh, Bass for a while, um, figured out his everyone except for Bass and Jonathan Reichardt in that crew are just so squishy. For, and then I switched to Outcast for a little while with the Vix and uh did okay with them but i switched back to guild because uh, honestly i chose guild for this one because cavalier just come out and i love their style uh their gameplay seems fun and just the whole all of the models seem great how much of an influence did harold toll's cat play into it for you <laughs> um some although i'm partial to watson's dog Oh, good, good. You're a man after my own heart, then. <laughs> but the cat, the cat, the cat is nice too. The cat, because honestly, uh, I've heard a lot of people say it's like, "Well, Harold Tool's stuff sounds cool, and he's got a cat, and so. he's got a cat, and he's got a cat." I mean, a cat who can pre- a person who can appreciate a cat and a grenade launcher, I, I'm I'm okay with. <laughs> a man after your own heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or a cat with a grenade launcher, there and that's go. just horrifying. I saw that. Sounds fun. Once I get his actual model, I might just creatively model, pull the cat off, and just have it riding on one of the uh, one of the one of the walking cannons. That That's sounds... awesome. Oh, that'd be fun. It's a fun modeling idea. So, icebreaker question: We've been doing this uh, session here. Is this was the first tournament that we ran where we were playing with the non legally binding clocks? How'd the clocks work out for you throughout the tournament? Well, I didn't have one the first the, the first time through, which is probably a good thing because I that was this first round for this tournament was I think my third game with Tull, so I was still kind of trying to figure him out. And my opponent was also pretty new, so we I think we made it to middle to uh, middle to end of turn uh, three, so that probably would have been a little bit more awkward. But for uh, we had the class round two and three, and to be completely honest, neither me nor my opponent really remembered to change the clocks <laughs> at all. Now, I will say one thing I did like was having, uh, you, since they're obviously the time added up together to be the total time of the round, having just the constant knowledge of how much time was left, if you do a quick, some quick ma- adding, was really nice. I really liked having, you know, that that just a constant knowledge of what the time was remaining. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I know that the because I've only gotten in one game with clocks, and I know for me it was a real shot going to like, oh wow, I'm really slow. I clocked mm-hmm. out, and my opponent still had like twenty minutes left on their clock, and like, ooh, I got to tighten up my game. Like I said, we didn't really track that as well as I'd like, but it was kind of interesting going, oh, wait, it's still on me, and it's been three activations back and forth. So <laughs> that, that's good. If we continue to use them, it's going to take some getting used to and actually remembering to end, like press the button to end the turn and things like that. I think that was kind of the general consensus across the board that everyone was like, game one, the people who had clocks, they were on top of their clocks. Game two, we were coming back from lunch, and people were a little bit... Oh, I forgot. Game three, what clocks? Yeah, pretty much. And I, th- I think it's an adjustment. I haven't really seen a big negative to them so far. And I've been very opposed to clocks for a couple of years. And, you know, the people who've talked about them have kind of, you know, influenced me to give them a try. And the only way to really know if they do or don't work is to just get the data in, is what I feel like. I would agree. And I... I don't know if they're necessary. I haven't really seen any evidence that like that have anyone like purposely slow playing or anything like that or, or not or any of the th- concerns either way. But uh, if some people find them useful or uh, or uh, some people find disruptive, it's just however the consensus ends up being, I'm good either way. So let's dive in here. So um, talking the January tournament, Harold Toll, mm-hmm. which uh, round are you going to be talking about today, and why did you choose that round? Uh, I chose round three because round three is against uh, Jonathan, and I chose that round because I think it shows off Toll's some of Toll's uh, abilities and some of the so things his crew can do the best out of the three rounds I had, as well as just is one of the uh, clo- not no, it's just tighter games, but more uh, dynamic games that I had of the three. So kind of what were the big lessons and themes for this game for you? Uh, this said this was relatively new crew for me, so learning how Toll kind of operated, especially over the course of those the three different games for the round. This one was the one that, or the three different rounds for the tournament is the one I knew the best, and it kind of showed me exactly what he could do, and gave me the gave me the most idea about how he could play and what he could counter and what what things that he is kind of weak against as well. And just the, I generally prefer wedge deployment. I like getting things off the board right away. That's one of the reasons why I like playing base is because when you're seven, eight inches up the board, just to start off the game, it was, you can get things off real quick and wedge kind of lets you do that. So things got spicy pretty quick. With base, every, every deployment's wedge deployment with base. <laughs> and wedge, deployment, <laughs> wedge deployments uh, in your deployment. So, <laughs> so um, leading into this, into the tournament, the day of, and even before this game started, I think a big question with this is because obviously Harold Toll is a brand new fresh master. This mm-hmm. was the first tournament that he's been allowed at for us. How do you approach a new master? Obviously, you're, we're talking about Toll in specific here, but what steps do you take when you're learning any master that is new to you? Uh, usually when, I, when I'm learning a new master, I'll try to look through the crew and try to figure out what models specifically appealed to me, especially uh, usually the master themselves has to appeal to me in some level. And usually just the base mechanics and how all of the different parts of the crews work together. Um, I think third edition especially has done a really, uh, and especially after uh, Malifaux Burns has done a really good job of having the models and masters and different titles work together. Like the whole crew works and keywords work together really well. Um, The emphasis on that I do like a lot. And I also just try to take a spattering of these first couple of games. I try to like take as many of uh, different models from the crew, the options. Obviously, certain masters are not going to be able to do that because they have access, like, say, like Sandeep has access to who knows how many models, way more than most. But I usually try to take uh, a couple of different ways that the, 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 the crew could work together. That way, you can kind of see what each model does better. And I like taking new masters, like brand new masters, to tournaments because you're not going to get more practice in one game against as many different opponents as you are at a tournament three full games against three different people in one day it helps you get your reps in Mm, and it lets you like learn against all the different people because if you're playing in local games a lot of the times you'll end up playing against like one same couple of people with usually similar crews at a tournament you'll usually play against 
three different crews, three different masters, and three different people. Well, guaranteed three different people, at the very least. So it lets you kind of see what everything that that master can encounter. Going into uh, the tournament then. So you're uh, doing your prep work with Harold Toll. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you look to see what they can do, what the uh, crew is really strong at, where they're weak at, and where they can, you know, um, flex. Approaching Harold Toll's crew for the first time there, what did you see, like what jumped out to you with this crew that they were going to be bringing to the table for you? With specifically, I, I saw that a mixture, just mixing Watson and the Kingswall together, John Watson and the Kingswall, makes a very difficult to move front line and center point. They, the Kingswall gives out neg flips, a ne a negative flips to hit anyone that's not him within two. And the Watson has Warning Growl, which just gives Dag flips to damage on anyone, including himself, within two. So you stick those two next to each other, and they're very difficult to move. Defense 7, Armor 1, you give Watson a coat. They both have now Defense 7, I mean, def uh, Defense 6 or 7, respectively, Armor 1, and Laugh Off. They're where, they're where they're going, and they're not moving. Um, and then you kind of let Toll and uh, whatever other models you have kind of keep up behind them. And it makes it a lot better on that end. Between Luisa and Rocketeers, they can run schemes really well. Luisa can get in and out of melee all she wants, pretty much, uh, with the claim the land. And the Rocketeer is just blisteringly fast. Uh, it's probably too fast, to be completely honest. <laughs> Doesn't have a good way of getting out of melee, which is which is a problem. But if, if he's free to move around, move about the board, he will get where he needs to be. Yeah, so it's it's just I, they have a lot of good models that kind of combine together really well. Um, so taking one of everything except for a hex bow in the keyword worked out really well because each one works together in a, in a good way. All right. So for the round we've got here, you were, mm -hmm. uh, going into this deployment. I guess it was a wedge deployment there. Uh, yep. Uh, cursed objects, breakthrough, mm -hmm. leave your mark, sabotage, set the trap and secret meetup. Mm -hmm. Now you're playing against, uh, you knew you're going in, uh, against arcanists. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm assuming you were just playing Toll all day long is what the decision was. You weren't picking Toll specifically against Arcanists? No, I, I typically, when I go into a uh, tournament, I'll usually pick a specific uh, master and then play that exclusively throughout the entire tournament. I, I usually focus down on one one play, or one master, and then try to... And I'll usually mix up my crew a little bit, but depending on what the uh, opponent brings. But it basically lets me focus in on my on tactics for that particular and playstyle for the particular thing for all three games. Okay. Did you make any changes to your crew for this particular pool, or did you really stick with the fixed list for most of the tournament here because you were learning? I stuck with the fixed list because I wanted to see what each diff, each different model, the strengths and weaknesses of each model was. So I, I wanted to test it against different kinds of crews, but also scheme pools. Okay. So uh, what schemes did you end up selecting for this one? Uh, I selected uh, Leave Your Mark and Breakthrough. Breakthrough because, as I noted, the, Kev the um, Rocketeer is very fast. Uh, and as long as he gets a good position at the end of turn one, he pretty much, does, despite the deployment's type, he can usually get Breakthrough unless it's corner in turn two pretty easily. Especially if you place the uh, Assault Markers correctly off of Tull. That the heat of battle ability from Toll's assault markers and ski markers can get a lot of extra movement or AP out if they need it. Is that kind of a tell, or is that going to be kind of a tell? Is is Rocketeer a good model on its own, or is it a model that I should only expect to see if if it's probably a tell that you picked breakthrough? Yeah, at, at moving forward, is playing to other people with Toll. I think that there's a lot of different schemes it can run. It could do sabotage really well. It could do breakthrough. There, there's a couple different things it can do. And it, I could easily see someone acting like they have the Rocketeer with Breakthrough, and then it just coming in from the, out, the outside and, get, and getting in the, scrum, in the scrum in the middle and just using uh, Up We Go on some model you wanted to be in a particular place and tossing it three inches away. Uh, so I think that it is probably best at something like Breakthrough, but it could be used for other things. It also has marker removal on its, other, on its uh, bonus action that's not on, uh, onward, uh, which can be used for, super useful. When I was looking at uh, Louisa's um, claim the land ability you were talking about, yeah. there, just like get out of uh, combat and take an interact action. 
It works really well with her. Uh, I think it's called All Terrain on the front of card, where she ignores uh, models. So she can go, you can get engage her, so she'll just go through you six inches and drop something on the other side. And she also has Don't Mind Me. So stopping, basically the only way to stop her from running running a, uh, a scheme is to kill her. That's about it. Yeah. How um, durable did you find her to be across the day? Um, fairly. I mean, defense six armor one is is pretty difficult to just focus down, especially because she does have stone use. And if you don't just bury her in the enemy crew as part of, as part of your front line, she won't be where the danger is most of the time anyway. I didn't really fight anyone who could just decide to chase her down and kill her. Because my first one was against my first round was against Cooper. He and he Cooper didn't decide that Louisa was a good was a fair choice to shoot at, which is with us uh, armor one and stone use is probably for the best. Uh, second one was against Nelly, and there wasn't a lot of a ton of damage out of that to go chase her down. So I haven't fought anyone who can catch her and kill her necessarily, but defense six uh, armor one stone use is going to be difficult to get at no matter what. It also, I didn't do it, but it also, it does occur to me that you can put a, you could put a coat on her as well. You could put a lead line coat on her and make her defense six armor two, <laughs> making her actually probably the tankiest model in that crew. That just sounds evil. Why little, do you hate friends? I didn't do that. And I, that's because I love my friends. <laughs> so we're, we're at the beginning of the game here. And mm-hmm. you know that uh, Jonathan, you know, he's picked Damien. Right. Do you have a lot of experience playing against Damien so far? Uh, that was the first time I've ever played against Damien, and I was just so desperately glad it was only it was Damien one. Thank you, because <laughs> Damien two, there's things that need looking at because they're overtooled or possibly broken, and then there's Damien two. In my opinion, it's just so much. So Damien one was nasty enough as it was, honestly. <laughs> If I can interject, I, I took Damien one because I had actually played a couple games with Tull, just trying to trying him out, and I, I almost brought him to this tournament as well. And I was trying to find a way to mitigate all those extra uh, activations uh, with the heat of battle. It, it, that, it ended up not not mattering at all, but that, that was that was my game plan for I, taking him. That's not true. There were multiple times where I didn't take heat of battle because I would have had to ditch two cards instead of one to do it. So like oh, that, right. that affected better. my. Like I could have, <laughs> I could have just, I could have used uh, Toll's uh, grenade launcher three times in a row, multiple times, well, okay. two times in a row because heavy salvo is so good, a lot. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but like this Kingswell didn't shield slam a second, uh, a second or third time because of that. Like there's okay. there, that did that did do what you wanted it to. Oh, good. Okay. Because that ability is a lot to work with. So what you're saying is it could be, could have been a lot worse then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Potentially. It could have been much, much worse. Although just shutting down card draw and, uh, and stone use from Damien 2 probably would have been a lot too. So who knows? Honestly, I don't know. That is so interesting. I'm, I'm just being fascinated by the idea that you didn't realize how effective your stuff was being, Jonathan. Like, I, I think that that's just cool. Maybe that's your poker face tray. Maybe that's, I don't know. But uh, I, I find that just fascinating. I mean, and, and I don't want to talk too much during Trey's show, but like, I feel like <laughs> by doing that, I, I forced him to be more creative with his actions. And that worked that worked against me because like, instead of punching me with the Kings, I was like, oh, then I'll shield slam you and you're stunned and you can't do as much stuff. Or, oh, I can't shoot you with a grenade launcher, so I'm going to just blow you six inches through this forest. And then you, your, your low hit is totally out of position. So I, I, I may have like unleashed a monster and, and forced <laughs> him to unlock even more of this crew. And so um, I, I want to apologize to myself publicly for, for uh, doing that. I, I will admit it did make me think outside the box and learn more about the because most of the most of the uh, crew does have more than one attack action or action they can take in combat and it made me think about that. Although I will say that the shield slam from the uh, that has the built-in daze trigger on the uh, on King's Ball is something I wanted to mention because it's a lot. <laughs> it's really strong. Really strong. It's really strong. Oof, um, yeah. Oh, I did not realize that was built in. No, it's built. Yeah, it probably shouldn't That's be, great. but it is. But no, the um, the fact that I that would have had basically in order to take the heat of battle any time against uh, with um, Damien around, it I would have had to drop two cards instead of just one, which is a lot. So during the game, so mm-hmm. kind of how did the uh, the flow of this game unfold? Because I, I really don't know. I mean, obviously Harold Toll is brand new here. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen him on the table yet, other than the few moments where I stopped by to see you. You know. 
unload a grenade launcher upon Jonathan. But how did the flow of the game really feel with Harold Toll and friends? When I originally started trying to well, looking at playing uh, Toll, I thought that the placement of his artillery markers, because at the start of each turn, he places a number of the assault markers equal to this turn, the turn the turn number. So one for first turn and so on and so forth. And then he can drop one as, as, a, as his uh, fast or bonus on, on his turn. And I thought that that would be difficult to figure out where to put them properly. And I'm probably not doing it perfectly, but it's pretty much just either where you think they're going to be, where you want to be, so you can use heat of battle or where you're going, where your models are going to end up. And I think that the opponent can probably predict what their opponent's going to do with those assault markers. If you see them put the assault marker roughly, say, 12 to 18 inches away from their Rocketeer. I wonder where <laughs> that Rocketeer's going to end up. <laughs> but, else, well, but that being said, starting about second turn, you're pretty much stuck in with Till's crew and away from his assault markers is not the easiest thing anymore. Right. Um, but one of the things that I think that I that kind of helped really early is the fact that uh, Jonathan did move Damien up, which is smart. I mean, he needs to get close and start doing what he needs to do. But I spent turn one, the full... Uh, Kingswell's first turn, charging up and hitting him with a shield slam, leaving him engaged, but stunning him. And I did that two turns in a row so that Damien <laughs> was stunned and couldn't do all the things he did. And I noticed the minute Damien got to activate unstunned is when I started uh, really being concerned. So I think that's yeah. one of the things that really helped me because Damien, un- un- an unstunned Damien is a, is a scary, scary thing. But pretty much after I started engaging Damien towards the center and started pulling people in, the uh, he he had to collapse towards that scrum to try and keep try to keep him alive, and that was only not bad for me because of Harold Toll's um, heavy salvo ability, because obviously they like fighting around Lohith once he has his aura up, but when you can take Lohith, throw him on the other side of a train piece, and then <laughs> stagger him, uh, he becomes less of an issue. <laughs> And I think that's one of the only reasons why it went it went as well as it did for me, because if he had positive flips on attacks and damage and starts getting around warning growl or uh, even getting past the defense seven on my on the king's wall, it becomes a, a much different time. Besides that, now once I had everyone kind of collapsed in, the only thing that really kind of escaped that that whole bubble in the middle was a the surprising out of keyword diesel engine Joss pick. <laughs> That completely ripped Judd and Honey's uh, entire body apart in one activation, and that was, that was good. That was fun. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> it was terrifying for me <laughs> uh, because everyone was kind of buried in there. The Rocketeer got to blast his way across the field and then just run breakthrough, mostly unopposed. He almost got squished by Aloha throwing a boulder, but not. But he managed to survive just long enough to run what he needed to do. Yeah, I think Trey did a really good job. He surprised me by charging up at the King's Wall so quickly. I, I was not expecting that. I thought he was going to try to shoot at me a little bit first and kind of move his, his crew up a, as a big group. But he, he really, uh, I think doing that and then also kicking Lohith through the forest uh, and, and removing his, his um, aura and really c- kind of removing him from the from the game. He really didn't do much once he was you know, way over there in the corner. He, he wasn't fast enough to catch the Rocketeer. And there wasn't much he could do. You know, every time he would get close to the action, uh, Tull would just shoot him again. And I, I just didn't have the cards to prevent it. So what were uh, really some um, key moments that were really make or break moments for this game? Uh, like, I, like I said, I think the the biggest ones was turn one and two. The wall went before Damien and stunned him. And then that was the that was first activation turn two. That was uh, early activation turn one. Uh, and he would just basically I used to make the the shield slam to make sure he stayed close to my crew, like buried in the crew next to the wall and stunned so he couldn't get away. And that and when Jonathan moved his uh, crew closer in to try and support him with the healing from the um, uh, Gammon. Yeah. And things like that. Toll started using his grenade launcher and dropping the assault markers next to them. And the damage started just piling on. Toll's grenade launcher can put out a lot of instances of just little plink damage on every on everyone in a burst around the target. Right. I will say I do think I spent probably more time than I needed to trying to kill Damien because I spent most of the game using an awful lot of AP just trying to shoot Damien to death, and he <laughs> died turn five. <laughs> so it, it, I didn't realize how difficult it was to take him down in his own crew. Uh, I probably could have just kind of singled him out and then gone after other things. 
especially and at one point I did move him to where the sheet the the wall couldn't get to him anymore uh which was also probably was not just probably was definitely a mistake on my part also after the game I did reflect that I probably could have activated the wall and then used bulldoze and just charged <laughs> through my own models and then gotten him but yeah, I was, I was going to say, you know, the, there's nowhere that King's Wall can't get to. <laughs> it will find you. It will <laughs> Pretty smack much. you. Oh, it did. <laughs> uh, and well, theoretically, also, Louisa can use uh, Hop On, which is basically ride with me, but instead of being limited to things smaller than her, it's limited to Cavalier models, which means that she can ri- she can essentially ride with me with the size through King's Wall. Oh, sweet Jesus. Uh, or Judd and Honey, if it's, or Judd and Honey, if it's really necessary, so... Riding the king wall, the king's wall up could be a lot to deal with, especially since the one thing that they have I haven't mentioned on this yet, I don't think, is the king's wall also has the friendlies don't take negs to hit things while they're engaged with the king's wall. Uh, so you're never at worse than a uh, than a straight flip if you're embedded with the king's wall. So running him up early is is actually seems to be a really good idea. He looks ridiculous. He also turns into a sapper when he dies. <laughs> That also, uh, I actually denied. I did deny a point because he he finally killed the king's wall turn five and then turned into a sapper and ran off. Um, <laughs> I'm out of here. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, and I'm taking my curse token with me. <laughs> so now, um, I, I remember uh, discussing um, this with uh, Jonathan a little bit uh, briefly after the game. There, saying that you had a surprising amount of healing going on in your uh, crew there. Uh, there is a bit. The um, the walking cannons have a only once per turn, but uh, and and short range, but no TN, no flip involved. Heal to remove a condition on one of their AP, uh, which Toll can actually provoke on one on his built-in trigger on his b- bonus action, which also summons another assault marker. So they can do some healing there, and then Watts and then Watson has a heal on a three that also can hand out shielded or draw a card or push two. His, his bonus action, Emergency Cyrette, is very good. And he can also heal off a trigger, which I don't know ever if that ever went off this game, but he has a trigger on his melee to heal as well. So they can hand out a fair amount of healing on all, all told. Did you ever use the healing uh, from Judd and Honey, or was Judd and Honey dead too early to have to even worry about that? In one of my other games, I used the Signal Flare uh, for a little bit of healing, and I did it also to pull something close out of engagement. Like well, the uh, against uh, on round two against Nelly, the Rocketeer was engaged by Nelly's printing press, and I used that to pull him out of engagement so he could go run schemes without disengaging. So uh, that is useful. I, honestly, for six stones, I think Judd and Honey is really, really good. I think that he's a pretty good model. Until you look at the price point, and suddenly it becomes a very good model. But yeah, no, I, it, they have the healing off of Judd and Honey, but uh, Watson is definitely doing the majority of the lifting as far as putting wounds back on the table. Yeah, it makes sense. the the built in The built in condition removal from the totems is really good, though. Yeah, it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> it should probably have a flip involved somewhere, honestly, but it it doesn't. Not yet, at least. No, no not yet. <laughs> Give it a year. No. <laughs> I, I I full honestly fully expect it, um, and I'll probably continue to play Toll just because I like like the whole his whole style. As long as they don't just like put him into the floor, I I'll probably continue playing just because I really like his whole style and his play and his like play style. I like it a lot. It's just all of his models seem to have like one or two little things that are just a little bit too much, just a little, but it all adds up when you put it all together in one place. That's a good point. Like. The heavy salvo ignoring terrain, the built-in days on the on the wall. Don't mind me on Louisa. Also, defense six. And reaction is say, you know what? I'm out of here. And interact. She could also charge back. She should also charge into the melee and remove ski markers with the interact action. She could do. She could counterplay too. <laughs> I had thought of that. That's mean. That's evil. That's delightful. Mm-hmm. It's not delightful. It's horrible. It's uh... <laughs> delightful if you're you playing yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I haven't had to use it yet, but it does sound fun. <laughs> now, I think I know the answer to this already. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like was your MVP model of the game? And why was it the King's Wall? <laughs> <laughs> it, in this particular... Like, in other games, there, like against Nelly, the King's Wall was good, but not probably the MVP. In this particular game, it was the King's Wall, for both for the just being the tank that it is and for dazing Damien. I would have. I mean, if it wasn't built in, I would have stoned for it. But the fact that it's just a built-in daze trigger is just really good. Bam! I said no. Pretty much. Is that good enough that 
like we need to get you know from the other side of the table and we'll get into this more but i'm just like is that good enough that we need to just bring condition removal uh if we're going into if we expect toll I mean, the, he doesn't. His crew, looking at over over all the whole thing, they don't give out a lot of conditions. The um, yeah, uh, Louisa can give a little bit of injured and a little bit of distracted. The rocketeer can do a little learning, but the fact that there's a stat six versus defense auto stun on the on the board means that whatever the king's wall wants to be stunned will probably end up getting slapped and stunned. Which yeah, probably like you don't need a lot of condition removal. You just need it on the board somewhere. Or just have something that's nasty enough to where it doesn't need its like it the King's Wall theoretically could stun like Rusty Alice, and Rusty Alice might not care that much because she's just a min three three shots monster. But if you it most things like their triggers and the King's Wall just kind of shuts that down if you can get to them. So yeah, I mean a little bit at least a little bit of condition removal, probably not the worst idea. Yeah, and my Marco removal isn't gonna work against this crew because they you can't remove the uh, assault markers. Assault markers. You can move them though if you have. I uh, can't remember what it's called. There's a some action that can move a marker a certain amount of distance. I think which I can't it's, remember. Um, it's it's a reser dredge up. That dredge up. Yeah. So you could. I mean, you Long's could. Long's got that too, right? Something like that. Well, he's got that shooting the space or some shit. Right. Which I don't know if that removes the if it moves them or removes them. But if it just moves them. Future Doug here. Wong's launch into space ability won't work on the assault markers created by Tull's Rain Hellfire ability because it would remove the markers. But assault markers dropped by his bonus action can be removed by enemy effects. Yeah, you could really mess with Tull a fair amount by just moving his markers around. Yeah, but can't the cannon just move them right back into place? Yeah, yeah, without a flip. Two inches per cannon. Yeah, but dredge up is four inches. Like, eh. Okay, fair enough. I mean, yes. So, yes. Theoretically, yes, they could do that. Um, the cannons are good. I don't know what you want me to tell you. <laughs> cannons are really good. Uh, you could at least get... If you do it late turn, you could at least get it away from uh, from the, uh, the the aura blast at the end of the turn on your crew. Mm. Theoretically. Because that, that can add up, or at the very least make it so you have to start dropping the cards you're going to try and save so you don't take two damage ignoring armor. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot all about that. And uh, after everything's done, kadoom, 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 kadoom. Right. So are is that, are the assault markers, is that like a, do we get to play line of sight or is it just, if they're on the board, they cannot be removed? If they are placed within 18 of him at the start of each turn and cannot be removed, just flat off by enemy actions. Wow. Okay. And they are only removed at the end of the turn when Tull's bombardments go off. Which is potentially a movement 14 duel. Unless you can get to his cannons, it is a 14 duel. Which is... A above average card, even for fast models. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just unexpected damage at the end of the turn. Also, they use those as for they use those to proc their heat of battle ability as well, which means that you don't have to rely on uh, scheme markers being placed. They can, if as long as they know where they're going, where the toll knows where he needs to be and can get there, his models can benefit from heat of battle as well. Uh, it also lets his can his uh, totem shoot you from eighteen inches away, ignoring lost. So. Because if you're next to a ski marker and assault marker, they ignore a line of sight when shooting you. It's a stat for one, two, oh, one blast, two blast, three blast. But it's more shots going out. Yeah. So this is really starting to feel like a gun line that doesn't have the gun line drawbacks. Kind of, yeah. Because Toll does. Toll can get up up in the mix if he needs to. Um, and Watson and the wall want to be buried because. Neg flips to attack and damage just in an aura around them makes them very difficult to move. Judd and Honey like to stand in the back like everyone else. Yeah. So that's something. If you throw in the Hexpo, they're also pretty effective. Yeah, out of all of the models that uh, I was looking through for Cavalier, they're the ones who I didn't think gelled with the way I wanted to play them as well. But I don't think they're bad. It, yeah. They at the very least have a once per uh, once for activation, you discard a card or I get to add a suit to my shot, which is really good it's probably it's probably just a discard a card but if they don't have a card to discard or one or one they want to discard you just get a free suit that's free puncture that's a free shot out of your master that's you know we got a couple different things they can do with that well and they've also got that uh that bonus action that lets them put um blasts onto their stuff there mm-hmm. the only reason i know that is because i played uh, into that there and um obeyed it and it was funny that does sound funny yeah yeah <laughs> and 
sad. Zerato uh, <laughs> being a Hexbow is hilarious. Best use of a Hexbow ever. Especially since they're already probably put up next to uh, an assault marker they can use for their stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was. Well, it was into Sonia, but. Oh, okay, fair enough. Even the, even there, the the fact that they can potentially proc a free shot from Sonia is is still, still makes them potentially useful in in a witch hunter crew. So Trey, did the thought of having hexbows pairing with both cavalier and witch hunter keywords? Did Double Masters cross your mind in any way to have Sonya brought into Toll or vice versa? Well, as much as I don't think that Sonya is a bad pick as a second master, I don't typically play second masters just because I think I think they're too expensive for what. The, I mean, sure they can get you three three probably potentially very effective AP, but fifteen ish stones is a lot. Agreed. Especially in a keyword that they don't they they're not playing nice with everything else in the keyword. They don't have a lot of uh, melding. Uh, so I don't. I almost never play second master. I don't think I ever actually have. Uh, so in this particular case, no. Uh, also, when I played Sonia, I don't think Hexbows are a bad pick for Witch Hunters, but I don't think it's their best picks either. I I feel like they already have most of what they need in their keyword, um, and I think the Hexbows might be better in Cavalier if you're going to take them. Fantastic. That does make me think, though, also about like other kind of out of keyword options do you see and you've you have played a lot of guild do you see uh should we expect to see some of the uh artillerist or, or i'm sorry yeah some of toll's yep. models in other keywords or not necessarily or have you even really thought about that i've thought about it a little bit i think rocketeers and luisa are some of the best scheme runners that guild has ever seen they become eight or I think 10 stones respectively. So they're not cheap, but the fact that Louisa, you pretty much just can't stop her from getting where she needs to go unless she, unless there's, unless she's just either out of position or there's concerted effort because she's a st- six stone. I mean, six uh, a defense stone user and the rocketeers, even if they don't have assault markers to act off of can either use uh, scheme markers or the fact that they just have move six flight with onward. Um, either of those could be really good. Some of the Kingswell stuff does only affect for Cavaliers. So some of that may not be, the key may not be an auto-include into others, especially since he is pretty pricey. Um, same with Watson on some level, because I, I, his um, increased range on his Syret is only for uh, Cavalier models. So they do a lot of the stuff they do only really works on Cavalier models, but I still think that there, will, there are some that could easily be taken in other crews. As far as things that could be taken with Tull's crew, I mean, the, any of the normal versatiles for Guild could be useful depending on the enemy. Uh, the brutal is a uh, the uh, brutal emissary is always a good pick if they uh, like taking out of activation uh, actions. The pale probably as far as getting ruthless. That's the one down thing. I I'm glad I didn't have to go against, but it, I did see as a as a doubt, detriment is there is no ruthless in anywhere in Cavalier, which is rough. Yeah, I I could see that being a little rough, but yeah, and they're not rocking a like huge pile of high willpower except for Toll himself, so. I guess there are some synergies with card discard and guild mage, but if your models are running up the board, that mage is stuck in the backfield trying to play catch up. Um, uh, were, were there models with the um, uh, keyword uh, front of card abilities? The, the what is it? The heat of battle. Heat of battle. That I guess maybe even to st- stand near the uh, king's wall and uh, Watson. Uh, do you see that being as a benefit or is there enough innate healing in the crew that the mage isn't really a linchpin here i think a linchpin i don't know if the mage is a linchpin but i don't think it would be a miss to take it um i think that it could definitely benefit from the heat of battle especially since that the crew does have some baked in ways to draw more cards to fuel that exact engine so taking out like say uh, judd and honey or something like that and adding in a say a uh, mage uh, could work. I think that mm-hmm. the mage is actually more useful in uh, with uh, Tull, uh, the Tull's title, second title, Tull 2, because he not only, he lets his uh, crew uh, draw when they discard for the Heat of Battle ability. Um, so you could be just dropping cards as much as possible for that Heat of Battle and then uh, getting them back and healing from it from that as well. So um, Oof, yeah, that's I think efficient. that I think that the that they might he might be better out of that than in um, than until one, but I don't think they would be a bad pick until one, definitely. Um, 
Well, I, I was just going to say, I think I lost about 30 minutes of my life on Friday once I realized that you could take a guild mage with Tull. And I'm like, I'm never going to kill any of these guys because they're just going to keep discarding <laughs> cards <laughs> and healing and you yeah. know, shooting my dudes. So thankfully, Trey wasn't that mean. Kill the mage first. Yeah, I mean, it's usually a good idea. Um, and it's the fact that the, uh, yeah, the, both of the walking cannons and either the Sapper or Judge Judd and Honey can all pretty easily get uh, card draw back. Uh, so they can feed that same thing uh, means that you're also basically just feeding healing back into the uh, back into the mage. So uh, it's, it's probably a really good pick. Uh, I I really like taking in keyword stuff, but a mage is not a bad idea in most crews, to be completely honest. <laughs> and it's probably really it's probably it's not probably near quite like Perdita two levels of good, but it it's it's not a bad pick for certain. Oh, let's not start that conversation again. She's perfectly fine where she's at. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, yep, she sure is. Especially with Gilmages <laughs> around. She needs them. <laughs> uh, I'm going to just say, because you cannot see my glare on an audio podcast, ominous glare here directly <laughs> at the Nick Westbrook. <laughs> I felt it through the screen. I really okay. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, so um, obviously uh, Toll is brand new. Mm -hmm. Um, we're, I mean, obviously most of us, Hey, the next time we go against Toll will probably be our first time playing against Toll. Cause most of us haven't had a chance to yet. What would you recommend for a, you know, bottom third player? You know, someone who's sitting, you know, at the bottom of the, uh, standings there working to climb their way up. What do you recommend to them when going against Harold Toll for the first time? Try not to bunch too much. Uh, get Getting too stuck in with the King's Wall and uh, and Watson is probably not necessarily going to end well, especially given the fact that uh, the Assault Markers and Toll's Grenade Launcher are just going to pulse out uh, just an awful lot of damage. Um, so if you can spread out at least, like, you, you can still probably throw in your tankier models if they've got, like, armor, stone use, shielded, things like that, and then you can use that to counter and hold down the, uh, the wall if you can. But uh, try not to get everyone drawn in on that. Uh, especially if you can kind of counterplay the uh, any of the uh, smaller models that he has running around the outside, the Rocketeers, the Sappers, things like that. Also, leaving those alone is a great way for the your enemy to just get their points without getting contested because you're probably busy with the wall of Watson. Middle tier player, what do you think? Someone you know, kind of you know a little bit uh, beyond the uh, you know beginner there. Someone you know what what sort of um, you know next level uh, recommendations would you give to someone? If you can single out, uh, let's say Luis is already gone or Watson is out of position or something like that, if you can single out Watson or Luisa and get rid of them, uh, it's going to be an easier time for you afterwards, especially given the fact that most of your most of your stuff working against um, the Kingswell might be just completely undone by Watson eventually. Watson himself is an enforcer. Sure, he's going to be next to the probably next to the wall. Um, which means you're going to be at a negative to hit him. And he's got Warning Growl all the time, so you're going to be negative to damage. But he's only got, I think, seven wounds and probably armor one. But if you can just focus him down, he doesn't have stones. A good min two, min three set of attacks can just kill him. At that point, the damage sticks. Pinning down Luis is a little harder because she is a armored stone user. Um, I'm not exactly, honestly, super sure how you, how you pin her down. But if you can get it, if you can get it, then do it. There also were a few times in my uh, my uh, round against Jonathan that uh, the wall and uh, Watson were weren't quite within two. I try to get my keep do my best to keep them close enough. But if there's ever a chance where you can get at Watson and he's not next to the wall, and you can just do that at straight flips or even positive if you can get a focus down, do it. That that model, if you can do it, needs to probably be dead. Also, uh, as noted earlier hit the uh, Rocketeers if you can get at them. They're probably going to be hiding and then in your deployment zone, but if you can hold back a little bit or something, then get some damage on there. They're not super tanky. Defense 5, Armor 1, like uh, 6 or 7 wounds. Yeah, that, that'll go down relatively easily. You just have to catch it first. Which is difficult. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. But if you can, or you can get some, uh, some shots on them if they didn't hide them well enough. Also, if you can get a hold of it, I know it's difficult outside of guild, but if you can get a hold of laugh off, uh, it means that your models aren't going to be some that one key model is not going to be uh, 
behind a tree somewhere staggered because Harold told sell heavy salvo is a lot to deal with. Oof, yeah. Or, you know, smacked aside with the, uh, yeah. The, I mean, you might still be dazed, but at least you aren't five, uh, two, a uh, two inch push and then a three inch push away. <laughs> oh, that sounds awful. Yeah, let's, rem- let's all remember that that's part of the day's trigger. It, I have reflected on the fact that the wall can run up, smack you with a shield, push you two inches to his left, and then three inches back towards Toll's crew. So he can not only staze you, but steal you. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Because <laughs> those are two separate pushes, so it basically he can turn it in the middle of the, in the, in the, middle of the push. The push has a joint, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Theoretically, if you're not against Damien, he can do that twice. <laughs> if he's already in. The shield bash on the—I mean, it does—it only does one point, but the shield bash is still a lot on the king's wall. Well, it feels like that shield bash, that one point of damage, isn't why you're doing it. You're doing that no. to uh, get that dazed, get that push. You're uh, mm-hmm. really doing that for everything except that damage. The damage is just hey, and it hurts. Right, just that little bit of extra gravy on top. Yep. With this game, because obviously you did not score a full eight points. You did not play the perfect game. That is true. What do you wish you had done differently? Or what could you learn from this game to do even better next time? I have a I I, I know that I have a problem with trying too hard to kill mo- to kill certain models. Like I spent I think turn three, I spent probably three to four full models activations trying to kill Damien. Uh, and with, with a mixture of his uh, superior card draw and everything else, and the difficulty and with taking of all the extra heat of battle attacks and everything, it just turned out that he just didn't die and got to activate turn five. What I should have just done is just used the wall every turn, shoved him into a corner, and left him dazed in the corner, probably. So if I would have just left him off the side, that would have been probably better. But as things were, I ended up not being able to score all of my cursed idols uh, points because I didn't try to focus on killing other models that had the uh, tokens on them. Uh, so mostly it was just target priority and not uh, and too too much effort into killing the model instead of just instead of just you know secluding them if possible that kind of thing because you don't necessarily need to kill a model if you can invalidate it. <laughs> so um, do we have thoughts from anyone else here before we wrap this up? I think Toll's OP. I. I don't. Uh, I. I don't think he's quite on witness. Uh, witness with Damien two level, but he's up there. I think he needs. He needs. He's a little overtooled or overtold. I guess. Overtold. Uh, 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 see what you did there. <laughs> but um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just as a pile on that, I want to. I want to pull in uh, Pete's question from the Discord. That uh, mm-hmm. that for listeners, we do have a Discord. Uh, links are in the show notes, and we uh, do took questions there before we record. But Pete from Rangewood Wire. And if you are not listening to Rage Quit Wire, y'all need to pause this podcast, go subscribe to Rage Quit Wire, and then come back to this podcast. But uh, but yeah, our our not just his toll OP, but it, his question from the Discord was: Are Madness of Malifaux Masters dumb and power creeping, or are they a cool addition to the tournament scene? Uh, to which my response to him was: Por qué no los dos? Like maybe it's both. But but yeah, would love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, both having played toll. And mm-hmm. played against Damien here. I think that a couple of the keywords out of Madness are probably a bit much right now. Um, I'm honestly surprised that Damien dropped the way he did, uh, especially early, um, like he did before, because he was seemed to be released and then allowed at tournaments a little a little quickly. That said, it might and that may just be my perception given how the fact that we haven't really had a lot of time with him yet and things like that. But I, I think that uh, Toll maybe a little bit is probably a little overtooled. Damien, the witness is a, is a lot right now, especially with the uh, configuration. But I don't know about Ling Lee. She seems good, but I don't know if she's bro- I don't know if she's broken. Uh, Bygone, I know uh, my uh, brother Jordan has been doing has been trying to make them work. He's really interested in doing that, and uh, everything I've talked with him about says that they're probably good. I don't know if I don't know if they're broken. They have some really good models. They have some models that are probably not as good as some others, or are really squishy and have some weaknesses. So I, I think Bygone's probably not busted. And to be completely honest, Castor's crew, Castor seems cool. Castor's crew seems not great. They're not good, honestly. Their keyword ability is just worse. What is it called? What uh, what does the? Uh... But yeah, the overhealing okay. thing. Yeah. yeah the um, cause, uh, what's the crew that heal that does things when they heal? Yedza. 
Yeah. yeah. So there, the Castor's crew, uh, Castor's uh, keyword ability seems like just that, but worse because it only because uh, Jensen's stuff triggers when you heal. Uh, his only triggers when you overheal, which I, I don't, I don't think that's uh, the the best recipe for success. Then again, I'm not the best at Malifaux, but if that's you bring Gwyl, 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 the uh, Rezzer dude with him there. They can choose not to heal when they would heal, and it counts as them overhealing. Yep, that they just don't get to heal at that point, and like, uh, unlike Jensen. Right. <laughs> so I'm just saying, it, it seems yeah, like yeah, it's like a one way to do it, or you know, I know that Castor is going to heal a lot because he's just rom 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 rom. Castor Castor seems like a complete and total monster. Both versions of him seem good. Like he's by far the best model out of that keyword in a in a big way i love him like as far as his rules and even his fluff although to be completely honest the sculpt on the set on his uh, awakened form leaves a little bit to be desired he's the teeniest tiniest towering figure model because he can't hold all of those limes 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 <laughs> but no to to, to, to some of the question the answer to the question i don't think that they are universally broken and there's a lot there. We still need to look at them a lot, but I think that a couple of the keywords are overtooled at at least. So it kind of depends. I don't think it would be fair to lump them all in until we have time to look at them. Yep, totally, totally fair response. And who knows? Maybe, maybe uh, returned or just like somehow secretly busted as hell, and we just haven't seen it yet. I don't think so, but maybe, maybe. I had the idea of using um, the sword, but putting inhuman reflexes on it. It's just gross. <laughs> well, because it gets a lot of charges. It's yeah. true. It, it sure does do that. <laughs> I like this. The sword concept is one of my favorite things out of the return. It's the, the totem is really cool. And if you think about it, so because it, it never counts as engaged, so it can always charge mm-hmm. even while engaged. Because it's not engaged. Because it's not engaged. So it can always plink. No, inhuman. That's a good idea. I like I said the the that sword is the coolest thing I think out of returned. Even more, even cooler than Castor in my opinion. Like that whole thing is just a great concept that they. I think they did really well. But yeah, I guess uh, we're good here. You know, thank you so much for coming on the show. Congratulations on getting first place and being, you know, the best Herald Toll player in the world right now. That's what the that's what the statistics say, and I'll take it honestly. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I don't know if I will, but I fully intend to try and be back. <laughs> we we hope to have you back. Yeah. Hey, maybe with Toll again. Maybe I'll learn things. I will hey, let y'all know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Students of Conflict is brought to you by Top Dog Design. Check out topdogdesign.com for all of your Malfo terrain needs. Top Dog Design, 3D printable designs to enhance your tabletop. Students of Conflict is not an official product of Weird Miniatures LLC. All intellectual property belonging to Weird Miniatures is used with permission. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of entities they represent. Any content provided by our guests and or hosts are their opinion and not intended to malign any group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Woo! I felt it through the screen. I really did.